Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about the work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Hello, Professor Kohi. Thanks so much for joining us. I'd like to ask you first, for people maybe first time listening to you, how would you like to define yourself for me, maybe first time listening to you? How would you like to define yourself? Yeah, so I'm a researcher mm-hmm. working on this uh, embodied intelligence research. I'm from the University of Tokyo, mm-hmm. and now I'm organizing physical intelligence lab at the university. Thank you once again for joining. The first something I think people would like to know, maybe not familiar with the field, what's actually embodied intelligence is? And when it comes to robotics or soft robotics, what is mm-hmm. embodied intelligence in this context? Okay, so um, if we uh, try to understand intelligence, we tend to focus on the brain, right? But mm-hmm. um, in fact, uh, intelligence is not closed inside the brain, but uh, the dynamic coupling between environment, body, and um, yeah. and the brain mm-hmm. is important. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, uh, embodied intelligence uh, is about um, focusing on this dynamic coupling to mm-hmm. understand intelligence. It's, it's about the framework. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And when it comes to your lab, uh, how do you see the embodied intelligence? Which student listening to you? What kind of demonstration or maybe approaches you t- you taken within your lab to achieve this kind of embodied intelligence on your works? What mm-hmm. approach you, you take on that? Yeah, so um, in our lab, uh, we are focusing on the framework called physical reservoir computing. Mm. And in this framework, um, for example, um, I'm working on uh, soft robotics uh, using uh, octopus-like uh, soft robotic arm, for example. And uh, we showed, we demonstrated that uh, by, for example, um, shaking mm. uh, this soft robotic arm and by generating uh, soft body dynamics, you can use this dynamics as a computational device like a recurrent neural network. Mm. So it means that, uh, for example, um, as, I, as I said, um, so uh, the important thing is the dynamic coupling, right? As I said, so we have some coupling between brain, body, and environment. And brain part uh, is usually modeled by using, for example, recurrent neural network. Neural network. Mm-hmm. But we, we showed that uh, soft body can be uh, um, function like neural network. It means that uh, body part can also have some functionality similar to the brain part. Can you elaborate more about it? It's a very interesting part. How you make sure this the soft body is function as like recurrent network? Can you elaborate more about that? How you do that in detail? Yeah. So. Um, in detail, uh, so uh, simply saying, you can solve some task 
that, re that require recurrent neural network by using soft body dynamics. So recurrent neural network uh, is uh, somehow modeled in your PC, right, using for loop. And yeah, mathematically, it contains nonlinearity and memory. And this nonlinearity and memory uh, can be, uh, is now uh, in soft body dynamics. And we can exploit these uh, rich body dynamics for our mm. computational purpose. Yeah, that's yes. very interesting. That's very interesting. I'm curious to skew on the point because I think that topic of nonlinearities in soft robotics in general, because you touched something very interesting when we speak in the first question, some creatures, you don't have a brain and exhibit intelligence. And one of the example, for example, dead fish swimming upstream, and you ask, well, how dead fish can have this uh, full free, can swim, and it's dead. That's so, right. But in that case, I don't think they have consciousness. That's hmm. different layer, right? Yeah. yeah but yeah, it right. exhibits some functionality. Yes. Very natural functionality, behavior control. But I'm not sure whether it has consciousness or not. So it's different layer, I think. But you're right that uh, if you have some, we need some flexible body to realize yeah. uh, these uh, natural behavior control. Yeah. It means that uh, this functionality is outsourced to the body dynamics. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I'm curious to ask you about this as a non-linearity in that case. Because we know it's really tricky sometimes to extract this beneficial nonlinearities when it comes right, to. Right. So uh, there's a, maybe a couple of questions here. The first thing: How we make sure you get the right material? If it's what could be the significant factor to make sure: Is it the material? It is the geometry? It is the structure? How we make sure you can extract this beneficial nonlinearities at first step that you need mm -hmm. to, to for your system? Yeah. Yeah, that's very important uh, question. And um, it can be, so um, you said that uh, material property, geometry, all these factors affects yeah. the body dynamics. Yeah. So we cannot say one thing. It's, uh, it's really difficult to figure out uh, um, the reason because all the thing is coupled. So we need to think all of all the things. And what the interesting point is the property of dynamics mm. that it, mm. uh, it generates. Yeah. And other thing is uh, the repro reproducibility of the dynamics. Because you, you want to um, implement some computation, right? That means that if you inject some input time series in that dynamics, you, you should um, it's, it's important that you extract the same response mm -hmm. yeah. to some same input stream. It means that uh, this, of course, it, uh, this body dynamics should be rich. Um, somehow it should, um, although it should be rich, it should have some reproducibility uh, against the input stream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it has certain properties. Yeah, certain uh, there, there's a prerequisite to be yeah. used as a computation device. Yes. Yeah, I think there's a couple of questions here. The first one maybe about reproducibility. How we make sure it's reproducible? Because that's also issue we have. It is something you mentioned all of this coupled with each other. But maybe maybe something is really dominant when it comes to achieving that. Something is very significant and dominant to make this system reproducible. What that mm -hmm. thing is? 
Yeah, so how to investigate reproducibility is just you just inject the same input and see what happens. Mm. You test several times and see the response. That's the basic way to test. Yeah. But as you know, uh, for example, if the system is chaotic, for example, then because chaotic dynamic, of course, a dynamical system depends on the initial uh, condition. Um, especially if the dynamic is chaotic, then uh, even if you inject the same input, it responds, uh, it, it responds differently. Mm. In that case, it cannot be used as a reliable computational device, right? Yeah. And there exists lots of technique um, to, for example, try to um, make that dynamics um, reproducible against some specific thing. But there are lots of um, uh, technique right now proposed. Mm -hmm. Yes, so yeah. Yeah, many applied mathematicians are now working on these kind of things right now. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's not only about the embodied intelligence research, but it's more about um, how to harness nonlinear dynamics. Yeah, I think yes. this is a very good point. Very good point. Yeah. yeah. I think you mentioned something about the memory. What mm. do you mean about memory? Is the material itself has this kind of capability to the memory? How, how does that happen in the material? This kind of memory? Well, um, yeah. Uh, so memory can be classified into two, right? So long-term memory and short-term memory. Okay. And now uh, we are focusing on short-term memory. Long-term memory can be expressed as, for example, plasticity. Material also has plasticity, right? If you push, then it stays there. Yeah. But uh, I'm now focusing on short-term memory. Short-term memory means uh, that when you press the material, for example, then it comes back to the original um, mm. structure, uh, original dynamics. This is called fading memory or short-term memory. Why are you interested so, in short-term, yeah. not long one? Maybe someone asks you, why are you interested in the short-term? memory not longer term why why i'm interested in short-term memory so it's about only it's only about time scale issue hmm. so um uh, okay <laughs> so uh for example um if we, if we want to so the plasticity is also uh dynamics right hmm. so we can also uh discuss uh the uh, dynamics of plasticity by using dynamical system. Mm -hmm. But uh, now we want to just focus on short-term memory because it's uh, much easier to understand. If you really focus on long-term memory, for example, mm -hmm. then it's really similar. Uh, yeah, so I'm not sure whether this can be used or not, but for example, yeah, for example, um, when we think about biological system, mm -hmm. Biological system uh, is, okay, so if we check that, if we observe bio biological system mm -hmm. uh, from different time scale, it, it is just, a, uh, it emerges and it, does, it disappears, right? Uh -huh. After 100 years, almost 100 years, for example, us, we, we uh, start from baby, Mm -hmm. and get old so it's development and we have this 
time scale. But for example, we can cut this time scale to, uh, for example, we want to focus on uh, age 30 and we want to model uh, this age 30 Kohei Nakajima. Uh -huh. Then we cut this part and construct some dynamical system. Mm. Then, for example, we can model this one. I so see. we have two, two time scale here because, um, of course, uh, in the reality, we, we only have one time scale. Mm. And this time scale, so it's, it's like a, when you model something, mm. you need to stop this time scale because um, if, you, if you want to model something, um, biological system is, um, in principle, it's not in a stationary state. It's yep. always developing. Yep. for our death, right? Mm. So, in, if you if you ask fundamental thing, it's just a transient. All the thing is transient. Yeah. And there's no reproducibility. We only have one life, right? So there's no reproducibility. But if we if we check in short term, mm. then for example, when I when I have some input coffee. Uh, this is very good. Second time, oh, this is very good. This is reproducible, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's really short term and long term. It's really, what should I say? Uh, it's that kind of thing. So, um, in, but if we, if we think about physical thing, then they have different time scale. Even if I die, this physical law will exist forever, for example. Mm. But in, so I'm just asking that case, you highlight a lot of modeling and understanding. Do you think there's something maybe still missing when it comes to embodied intelligence? Maybe modeling, understanding, I don't know, tools. What something is still maybe missing at the first class, which is something missing. What the thing is to achieve or understand embodied intelligence, whatever form you believe in, because we still we don't have answer for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... One thing that I'm um, now focusing on is the information processing capability of physical dynamics. Mm. So, as I said, I'm really um, interested in uh, the concept of concept of embodiment, and um, it means that body dynamics uh, can be somehow uh, considered as uh, those neural network or recurrent neural network. But this direction, uh, this type of thinking, yeah. it still uh, has started uh, recently. And I want to really uh, make this approach uh, develop. Is there something you think we have to also focus on? Maybe something you think is very promising. Other things you believe is other way. Approaches may be promising. Do you think about other approaches also could be promising in this uh, line? Yes. So, for example, uh, in diff uh, there's a, a field uh, called flexible electronics or mm. flexible sensors. This uh, field uh, can be, I think, integrated to embodied intelligence. Mm -hmm. And um, I expect that these physical reservoir computing or morphological computation 
yeah. can't be integrated with this flexible electronics field. And it will be really useful uh, for uh, future soft robotics, I believe. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So I think a question maybe people would ask based on what you're doing. If there is a damage happening to the body, the morphology, this damage is happening to the morphology, and you have this kind of, yeah, you're already doing that computation in the material, but if there is damage happening uh, in the body, how, how, how it can adapt it to the new damaged morphology? If you have this brain in the body, or damage in the brain, how it could adapt to the body? How do you see that in your robot you design, any damage scenario, how they can adapt it to something uh, like that, scenario like that? Well, that's that's very important question. So, um, this ability is missing in current robotics, soft robotics, for example. And I think uh, that can be uh, related uh, with adaptability, I think. Yeah. And it includes those um, self-recover, self-maintenance, mm -hmm. or development. These factors uh, is implemented in biological systems naturally, but um, in, ro in current robotics, there's no uh, such kind of ability yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, yeah, I think um, one way to um, realize these functionalities would be to focus on materials, material dynamics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, and that's missing, I think, right now. I think that's really interesting. Maybe people would ask you, beyond the material dynamics, is there something else we have to do so that we can achieve that self-maintenance? Or is there something besides material dynamics we have to consider so that we can achieve all that has self-maintenance or we can recover uh, in their own? Is there something besides of that you think we have to consider? Oh. What do you mean? So you mean that, for example, if we consider only material dynamics, then these self maintenance or these kind of things automatically. Yeah, yeah. Realize, these other options do. This is the oh. because we don't have this kind of. Yeah, we have to have external uh, mm -hmm. interference to make sure it, its maintenance. It already has this kind of maintenance feature. But do you think there's something we can do it in a natural way as we have in nature? that we didn't have this kind of... I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but... Uh, That's an interesting point. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, but, but I'm sure that it's missing right now as a technology. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, for example, robot doesn't grow, right? By themselves. They I don't... Hope... They don't... Uh, yeah. They don't recover by themselves. If if you yeah. if you cut off the, uh, but of course in the human case also if you cut off the arm it won't grow but um, Absolutely. yeah it has yeah, I should yeah certain limitation but um, yes. for example in in biological systems they sometimes um, yeah they are constantly uh, for example they shed their skin right mm. that that's somehow constantly, autonomously changing their body. I'm curious to ask you, because you mentioned the example when we look to the nature, when we look to us as a human, we have limitation, of course. We are not really 
Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. But just when it comes to design robot, that's why I'm asking you if it's something beyond what we have in evolution. Do you think how we can reach this kind of? I think we have in, in the series uh, Professor uh, Gus Eiden, he from the University of Amsterdam, and he saying that you can't evolve everything that reduces your fitness. For example, why humans don't have physics, for example, because it will reduce our fitnesses uh, in the environment. And, and that's why we don't have physics, for example, to fly as a human. And I'm curious to ask you, when you come to design robot, what kind of maybe design beyond what we have in evolution? Because sometimes we go for bio-inspiration, bio-hybrid, but what if we, as human, come up with exotic solution, don't exist in nature, with new methodologies? So do you think that's something we can do or how we can achieve something with highest fitness for open-ended environment that may be superior what we have in nature with evolution. Do you think that's Yeah, something? that's interesting. That's an interesting scenario. It can happen, I think. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, and I think that's interesting. Mm. Mm. Okay, okay. You don't need to limit your uh, idea to some bio... We don't, we don't need to mimic biological system. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know if there's kind of tools and simulation, for example, we speak about open-ended environment. When we design the robots to go for the open-ended environment with different scenarios. But still, we don't have that in robotics or soft robotics, how we can design the robot that can adapt to uncertainty. For you, one of you, your projects you're doing in your lab, how you deal with something like that? Do you consider what kind of uncertain scenario or anticipate this uncertainty or predict it? So how you can do that? Mm, that's a very good point. I think that can be related uh, with those adaptability concepts. Mm. As you said, uh, humans cannot also survive always, right? Yeah. It means that uh, there's no universal solution for this uncertainty. Yes. So, yeah. But biological system has some adaptability in certain range. Yeah, so investigating why these adaptability emerges would be the focus, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's uh, very interesting. So I think we're coming up to the end and uh, we have maybe a few questions left. Maybe what could be technological roadblocks, do you think, when it comes to what we speak about? Technological roadblocks. You think something is still a technology or plus to achieve what we want to do in the longer term? What could be a technological or plus? Mm. Maybe fabrication, maybe technique. I, I don't know. For example, some people say that we don't have, yeah, 3D printing for the whole world, but once a time. Uh, I don't know for you what could be a technological or plus. Yeah, for the, yeah for us, uh, as I mentioned, so um. We are now focusing on physical reservoir computing. Mm. And this approach uh, bases uh, on the dynamics, right? We need to monitor the dynamics. In that case, sensors are really important. And um, mm. yes, so important point is that um, when you, when you, when you, um, monitor the dynamics by sensors, you need to attach the sensor. It means that it has a danger to damage the natural dynamics. 
So uh, the sensor itself sensor. should be yeah sense yeah. So sensor itself should be soft also. So those um, mm -hmm. sensing uh, would be very important for this technique, physical reservoir computing. So mm -hmm. I, I suggest that uh, these flexible electronics, flexible sensors uh, would be very useful uh, in future. That's really a very good idea about the natural dynamics and how much we don't destroy the natural dynamics. But that's you mentioned right, about right. the sensors because we speak about the controller, for example. But you saw that here's a sensor. So do first, you think yes. the sensor, yeah? Do you think the sensor, assuming we have a flexible material as a sensor, as a sensor element, do you think the way we embed them in the material also it's affect the mechanical behavior anyway? If we embed the sensing element mm -hmm. in the material, it affects the mechanical behavior. If there's any way we can avoid losing this trade-off, if we embed the sensor, because for example, we have material like any conductive polymer, it works as actuator and the sensor at the same time. The material intrinsically has this properties. But when we come to material, they don't have a feature of sensing, and we try to embed the sensing in the material. If there's any way we can make sure, one simple thing, we can make sure that we don't lose the mechanical features of the material, or just this trade-off that we need to embed the sensing and at the same time we don't, lo don't lose this mechanical features or decrease them. But this one is one thing you have to consider. Mm. Yeah, so that's also very important. Um, so I think, yeah, there should be some way to just include. So uh, <laughs> include these sensing dynamics also as a body dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so mm, there should be many approaches there. Because uh sometimes maybe including sensors will make the body dynamics rich, maybe, for example. So mm. there should be lots of approaches, maybe. Yeah. It, it doesn't only um damage the natural dynamics, but maybe it, it can by incorporating some sensors the entire body dynamics may become rich mm. in some case. So we can exploit the entire body dynamics in that case. Yeah, so it depends. That's a very good point. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying that, yeah. So I don't know, because uh, we ask all the time, do you think ego is important for you? Ego. Mm? Do you think ego is important for you as a researcher? The ego. What is ego? Uh, it's like, yeah, when you are, I'm the best, and my idea is great, and I don't care what I say. I have, you have a lot of ego sometimes. I don't know if you would like to answer that. If you don't want to like, it's okay. Ah. Ego is important for embodied intelligence? No, no, I no, don't I, think so. <laughs> <laughs> Asking for you the ego, I'm the greatest term, great, and yeah, my ideas great. And sometimes in academia, people say we have a lot of ego sometimes because, yeah, we have ideas, and sometimes we would try to underestimate your ideas. So you have, ah, a lot of but ideas. that's really that's also, I think, very fundamental because, um, coming up with some interesting idea to, for example, to, to wish to. To wish to 
um if yeah so if yeah so somehow uh you have some ego to mm. produce some interesting idea right yes or you're not satisfied with some existing idea so you want to propose something and that's somehow we have some ego right ah that, that's not interesting my idea is interesting that these kind of things mm-hmm. th- there should be some uh, but that's that's a really more or less you can find some ego in any behavior i think of the scientific behavior i think so I, i'm not sure whether it is needed or not or i'm not sure but i'm sure that it, it's not related to embodied intelligence <laughs> yeah okay okay and do you, do you have any book inspired you maybe in the context of embodied intelligence any book inspired you and you would like to as a student recommend reading maybe in embodied intelligence or something in general inspire you in your work yeah i don't know any books yeah well um so i started uh embodied intelligence research uh, mm-hmm. by reading uh rolf pfeiffer's book yes. uh, called understanding intelligence mm-hmm. and this is really good uh it contains all the questions fundamental questions inside and you can start uh thinking by yourself and i strongly recommend this book for mm-hmm. students yes great great yeah and do you have any maybe advice with giving to and with a life changing or you would like to for, for student any advice was given to and with a life changing and you would like to give to student or early researcher advice so embodied intelligence research is mm-hmm. uh, a really exciting field and um many different fields many different uh, re- uh fields are now uh with embodied intelligence for example uh i started my research from a uh, complex system study in takashi kegami's lab but uh i jumped into uh this embodied intelligence research and worked with uh, rolf pfeiffer and we met lots of um interesting researchers in different fields like bio biology material science and um advice would be uh please be open minded accepting different fields and please keep on studying a lot mm-hmm. and enjoy your research great yes that- Thank you, Kai. I think that was very inspiring. I think you're doing very interesting research and questions even feel so. It was really Thank you. enjoyable Thank you. to listen to you. Thank you once again for being with us. Thank you. Thank you very much.